I read you. Where are you? Flying blind on a rocket cycle. Flying blind on a rocket cycle? And now, my friend, the first rule of Italian driving. What's behind me is not important. At the beginning, when you try the first time the 500, Fourth is Sylvain Gintoli. Sylvain taking a second out of Tony Elias in one lap with five to go. Permission to become a complete fan. Uh, no, I am your mate. <laughs> Sorry. Go on, Sylvain. Rostrum boy. I hope you're up early in Boston. Come on, Caroline. I'm sure you can okay. travel hard enough. Put the bottle down. It's too early. Racing it. Life. Anything that happened before or after, just waiting. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show of record, the show that matters, and the show that puts you on pole position for the news, the commentary, and the opinion in the world of motorcycle road racing. Yes, you are now back for episode number 78. It is the Bruce Lind edition of the show. So very happy for you to join us once again. Uh, first and foremost, I do want to say thank you oh so much to all the people who sent in emails over the past uh, week to 10 days uh, about our last show, the, the marathon edition that it was. I think it took everyone a few days to get through it because I don't think I got the first email till about Tuesday after the show. And then all of a sudden from Tuesday to uh, Friday, I think I got about five a day from you guys. And then I've had a few uh, trickle in since then as well. Um but I do want to thank everyone who who sent uh, emails in, uh, spent the t- sent spent the time to do so, and uh, thank you very much for your word for the good words from everyone. I think I responded to everyone, and if I didn't, I do apologize for not getting back to you. Uh, but it seems like everyone uh, liked the take on the DMG and uh, what's going to ha- what uh, potentially is going to happen with the AMA going forward, at least in uh, 2009. Uh, I have a few more thoughts on that. Um, going to hold back a little bit on this show from that because I have so much more to talk about uh, but look for me to hit on that again there's been some some noise going on we're going to touch on it don't get me wrong but um, some interviews floating around out there that I need to go back and reread and print out and highlight and uh, do some things there but oh, I, like, once again thanks for everyone for your for your feedback on that and it sounds like this is something we're going to say we're going to stay on and we're going to continue to hit on and uh, even if it's a dead horse we're going to continue to beat on it the administrative side of the world uh, let's take care of that the website as always www.rumblestripradio.com that is a place you can find uh, show notes links um, things of that nature all kinds there's a donate button if you'd like to donate to the show Uh, would like to uh, let you know once again that the MS Ride for Life is at the end of May, so there is still time to donate to that, which is uh, what I'd much prefer you do over the next month. And uh, the link will be in the show notes for that, and uh, it's uh, for a, a team. And if you would donate to either uh, Kristen or Jay Cardinal, they are the people who are doing the ride uh, for my girlfriend Catherine, who has MS. So if you would be so kind, and if you could, uh, donate to that cause it would be much appreciated rather than donating to the to the show 
So um, got that. Of course, the uh, email address where everyone has been sending their uh, their their feedback. That of course is rumblestripradio at gmail.com. And if you'd like, you can always leave uh, feedback on the website in the comments section underneath the the show notes. So whichever you prefer, all works for me. Also, uh, if you would be so kind, and you do do have to have an iTunes account to do this, to answer, uh, and I think I've answered everyone who's a- asked this question, uh, leave some feedback for us on the iTunes store. That uh, makes a big difference in making us more and more visible on the iTunes store uh, in the motorcycle podcasts or podcasts and motorcycles and sports and, and all that other good stuff. So if you could do that, even if it's just, uh, you know, hey, this guy's full of shit or um, – Okay, he puts out really long shows, but occasionally it has some good content in it. Whatever you guys want to do, it would be much, much appreciated on that. Also want to let you know that uh, John Hall and I have done another Live Fast Racing show. That would be show number 13, strictly a NASCAR show, which I know probably thrills all of you to no end, but it was just a lot of stuff that we uh, needed to talk about to just put it all out there in the show. It was pretty entertaining. That one clocked in at about 90 minutes. Who knew that four topics could go 90 minutes, right? But I would encourage you to check that out over at livefastracing.com. I believe John and I are going to be cutting another show over the next couple days that will be strictly open wheel talking about the uh, IRL, what's happened all in the past month with IRL, and also a lot of the F1 stuff again. So that will be – I think we're going to be doing that over the weekend here. And then after that, we are going to do a show strictly on – motorcycle stuff and probably the majority of it um, will be focused on the the DMG. Uh, we'll try not to rehash everything that uh, I already talked about, uh, but I'm sure a good chunk of that will will come up. But uh, if you think I was irritated about all this stuff, John was was even more so and, and credit to him, he when when this thing came down and they won the bid to take over the management rights of the AMA motorcycles. He had a strong feeling that this was going to go downhill in a hurry, and and you know I held out hope, but it looks like John's instincts were more correct than mine, and um, it has really sent him over the edge. I mean, he's he's literally, you know, there's a whole saying: if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. Well, I think John's been more like um, in the old Coyote and uh, Roadrunner cartoons where. Roadrunner goes by and the coyote's chasing him and then the Roadrunner makes a sharp cut and the coyote keeps going straight and he's kind of hanging in, in midair there and his feet are still going but he's not moving and he kind of is looking down and his eyes get really big. Well, I think John's having that moment right now and, and for about the past couple weeks uh, and he's desperately, I think, trying to get back to at least to the edge but I'm not sure that he wants to go back to the edge. Uh, you know, it's a whole fatalistic thing. Anyways, it's all good stuff. Um, but that's really where a lot of this DMG stuff has put him. So if you're wondering why his blog has been a little sparse of late, uh, that's uh, that would explain at least part of it. Let's talk about some of the news that's been going on in in motorcycle racing. Uh, if your last name is Hayden, you might want to stay off the racetrack. First, uh, Raj gets torpedoed. Uh, by Robert Pietri, or they come together at Birmingham, and you know maybe Raj just needs to stay away from Birmingham. Uh, Raj loses a, a, a finger, a broken pelvis, cracked vertebrae, ends up spending about, wow, I think he ended up spending at least a week in the hospital for, uh, for some surgeries on that. Uh, they ended up having to amputate his pinky finger. However, though, I did see a story on Dig today 
Um, and and I think it was even on uh, Drudge and a few other places I saw it where supposedly there's some you know magic powder that'll help you grow back your fingers, uh, a finger or multiple digits. I I didn't read the whole thing because more saw the headlines uh, of it and got multiple shouts on Dig to say, hey, dig this, dig this, dig this. So you know, um, I usually when people do that, I read the first couple paragraphs. Um, just to see what it is, more easily. So maybe Raj needs to find out what this magic powder is and maybe he can regrow the pinky finger. And then uh, Tommy gets in a pretty big accident uh, this past weekend at Fontana through no fault of his own. <clears throat> what it appears uh, from all reports is uh, Mar- Martin Cardenas, at the start, um, his brake lever uh, has a breakaway feature or pivots, and that got messed up. And when he went to go grab the brakes for the front, you know, front brakes, uh, he had none. He ran off in the grass tried to, trying to avoid everyone, unfortunately. Uh, he didn't. He hit Tommy, and uh, Tommy has a cracked ankle, I believe is what it was. Uh, Martine came off much worse. And so Tommy may not make it for a serious point. So there may be no, no Hayden's racing in the AMA um, coming up at serious point. Uh, all the meantime, Pops, uh, Pops Hayden's probably sitting there going, okay, Nick, just make sure there's about a five-second distance between where you are ahead of your team, or just make sure there's a, you're at least five seconds ahead of your teammate uh, as we come into Shanghai this week. I don't need three kids busted up, you know, that type of thing. But we'll uh, we'll talk more about Fontucky here in, in a few minutes, but um, the reason I bring some of that up is the fact that Looks like Michael Barnes is going to be subbing for Martin Cardenas. And the reason that's interesting is the fact that it's when Barney got hurt, Martin is the one who came in and subbed for him. So we have this kind of circle going on over at uh, the M4M Go team. There's also some kind of false controversy going on between some privateer and Ben Spees. That's a whole lot of nothing. I'm sure a lot of you saw some of the chatter off of roadracingworld.com for that. I think it's humorous, but, you know, that's me. I, I kind of find that stuff pretty funny at times. Some of the other news uh, going on, I do want to give a, a shout-out to uh, Chris uh, Johnham over at Road Racer X. There's um, He didn't do the interview, but uh, his people did the interview with Steve Bonzi. Uh, I thought it was a, a really good interview with him. Uh, you should check that out. His uh, road racer head from last week was was pretty good. He spent basically that whole thing and his a lot of his uh, initial thoughts on the new rules packages from uh, from the DMG, and we'll see what happens. Uh, we're talking to Chris to try and get him on the show and. It looks like we're going to be able to pull that off, but it's just going to be a few weeks before his schedule allows for that. So let's uh, we're keeping our fingers crossed. We're staying in contact with him, and um, hopefully we'll have Chris Johnham on uh, once again in uh, in just a few weeks. The let's see, staying on uh, MotoGP. Obviously, this weekend is Shanghai, the very last Shanghai race, and um, I'm sure no one will be crying in their milk too much that uh, they're not going to be returning there. The in- couple interesting things coming out of uh, of that race or, or news coming uh, in front of that race 
is that Colin Edwards apparently is putting his return to the AMA series on hold. He is looking to sign for at least one more year with Yamaha and Tech Trois to stay in MotoGP. I think this comes from a couple different levels. Uh, number one, he's uh, having fun again. Uh, I think coming from the fact that uh, he's no longer Valentino's bitch boy, and you know he's get he gets to try all the all the parts for Valentino or run blocker for Valentino. I think yeah, that's uh, made a huge difference in his outlook. Uh, two, he Michelin have have used him heavily in in working and developing the tires over the winter and valued his input, and he's seeing personal benefit from that. Uh, I think he's enjoying working uh, with the Tectoa team, and the fact that he's had success, I think, is you know, it kind of goes hand in hand. If you're having fun and enjoying your riding, and um, you feel the machinery is there, that uh, you have the support there, that he doesn't have to play second or third fiddle to anyone, um, you your effort goes, and you know, maybe not consciously, but at least subconsciously, it's like, oh, I'm having more fun. This isn't so much work anymore. Um, and his results have, have showed it, uh, qualifying for sure and even in some of the races. So Colin is looking to stay on for at least another year, maybe two. And also I think that has a lot to do with the fact of um, all the crap going on in the AMA. And he sees what uh, a joke this new rules package is. And, and if Colin comes back, he wants to ride super bikes, not Daytona super bikes, you know, not some bullshit class. That's, you know, everyone's weighed out to a certain spec and you're limited to 130 horsepower. Uh, or if not this 130 horsepower limit, I'm seeing some fudging. It's a power to weight ratio. So, um, you know, and it's unclear whether that's bike plus rider goes into this horsepower to weight ratio or bike to power only. It's it's a nightmare. And I need, and we'll talk more about that in a second. Some more flushing out coming uh, from there. So Colin uh, may stay in MotoGP, which would be great. Um, you know, that's, uh, uh, you never, when Colin's in a press conference, it's, it's rarely a dull press conference. The other uh, interesting thing coming out is there's a new 125 team about to be established, and I think they were doing the presser today on that. Uh, John Surtees, I think that's Sir John Surtees, the only man that I know. Uh, yeah, I believe he's the only man who's ever won a, you know, premier motorcycle GP title, 500 GP title, and the Formula One title. Uh, he is in the process of establishing a new 125 team with a Chinese manufacturer. Uh, they intend to take the rest of this year assembling the team, getting the bikes ready. May make an appearance at the end of the year. Uh, but be full bore for next year. So that's uh, pretty interesting. Uh, he's a pretty high-profile guy to be um, for the Chinese company to get involved. Uh, I think they're about a year too late, given the fact that there won't be a Chinese GP anymore, but maybe that's beside the point and they don't care. They just want the – I didn't hear who the manufacturer was, whether it's Zhang Chen or, or Zhang Shen or whatever. There's like 92 different – Chinese companies out there that, that make that make motorcycles that are essentially just you know ripoffs of Honda and Suzuki and Yamaha. They just you know have stolen the tooling and and make these bikes under their own name and sell them for very little money. But uh, it could be interesting. I mean, it's good to see Sir John uh, involved in the series. 
And as I said, he's a pretty high-profile guy, so in some ways you want to see that succeed. And what else do I have here? Oh, the other interesting rumor that's been floating around that I've seen uh, on, on a couple different spaces of late is it's well known that Aprilia is making the return to World Superbikes next year with this V4 machine, which is everyone's been waiting on for about about two years now. The room, the interesting part of that rumor is the fact of who their lead rider might be, and that would the the person who whose name comes to the forefront of of late is Max Biaggi. So the potential team next year would be Max Biaggi and Alex Hoffman. Whether that actually comes off or not, I don't know. It could be interesting. I'm not sure how, how well. Uh, or what a great, you know, if it's a real good decision to have Max developing a new bike for you. However, there is uh, obviously a ton of history between Max and Aprilia, um, all of it good, for them, essentially all of it good, uh, you know, a few bumps way back in the 250 days there. We switched between Aprilia and Honda a couple times, I think. Uh, but it's, you know, it, it's got potential. Could be good. Uh, I, I want to see Aprilia sign a a, a a really good frontline rider. Um, Hoffman is is fine. Apparently, a lot of people like him. I just don't think that he's a a winner, for the lack of a better term. Uh, I, yeah, I, I just don't see him out there winning races essentially. So we'll see uh, how that ends up working out. But uh, World Superbike should be very very interesting next year, and we're gonna need some. Some excitement in there with Troy Bayless retiring after this year, although I'm sure Ducati's sitting there going, okay, who the hell are we going to get to ride our bikes next year if we're losing Bayless and uh, uh, the Wizard or the Typhoon or the Hurricane or whatever he decides his nickname this week is going to be. Uh, his results have <clears throat> been less than this year, so uh, Ducati Corsa could be in uh, a little bit of a struggle next year. If 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 in the if you look at it in the stance of the the factory team versus some of the privateers involved who are doing quite well, so what else do I want to touch on here? I uh, we'll just kind of roll right into some of the race coverage here. I did get a chance to watch the British Superbike race from Thruxton, and I and I must say, uh, for those of you on that side of the pond, that was uh, quite enjoyable. I just I only watched the, the two Superbike races, and that was quite enjoyable. Other than you know that accident at the beginning of race two, which was uh, slightly frightening, and I'm sure you can just go on YouTube and, and find the video for that. I mean, nothing like getting smacked in the chest and the face by a, by a motorcycle uh, as it flips up in the air, but. Really, really good races, especially through about two thirds in, in both races. And I, I got to say, Shaky Burn was making that Ducati do some very interesting things. I mean, seriously, he's still going in a straight line. It looks like he cranks it way over on his side, like he's going to go into a turn, but he's still going straight and then makes these unbelievable outside passes. Just, just really, really. Some some great racing in, in both uh, in both sessions there, um, and I believe that was in race two. All right, now uh, Cal Crutchlow won race two, and I believe that was Honda's first 
a superbike win, uh, first win for any anything really, in the, with the new Fireblade. So hopefully there's a little bonus, extra, extra, extra bonus money for Cal being the first uh, person to take the new Fireblade to victory. Um, and it certainly shows that uh, not only in British Superbike but uh, World Superbike that there's very little wrong with this new Honda. Uh, it just happens to be an AMA Superbike that there's a problem. Even AMA Super Stock, it's uh, it's a pretty solid machine, which we want to touch on a little bit here. But uh, I do have to say it was uh, it's really the first British Superbike race I think I've watched full through. You know both races. Uh, I've caught part of one race before from last year, memory serves. Um, but uh, it looks like we're going to have a pretty solid source up on uh, racingunderground.com for uh, for those races to be posted. So looking uh, forward to the rest of the season from that. Uh, I don't know how much you guys uh, want me to cover that, so please send me your feedback, rumblestripradio at gmail.com. I'm sure a couple of you, uh, couple, uh, some of the guys uh, over in the U.K., wouldn't mind me covering it, uh, you know, UK being uh, you guys who are in Ireland as well, who listen to the show, Scotland, a few people in Scotland, yeah, a few people in Scotland, sorry, I'm just trying to think through all my numbers, and obviously quite a few in the UK, or in, in England proper. I don't think I've seen anything Welsh, but I may be wrong on that, maybe one or two. Anyways, let me know, rumblestripradio.gmail.com if you want me to... Uh, uh, I can't say focus on the British Superbike series, but to give more than passing mention to it. Uh, let, let me knock out uh, AMA. Just before we knock out AMA from Fontucky, uh, I don't think I covered Barber too much, if at all. Maybe that was right before. I don't know. I'm sorry. It's didn't knock out a show when I was supposed to again. I know. Matt, you really can hit the old bit siren for that one. Uh, but uh, one of the things I'm looking for that I haven't heard from you guys, and I'm somewhat surprised, is what you think of Greg White doing, you know, and, and his play-by-play um, from from Barber and also from Fontucky. Is it better than Ralph Shaheen? Yes, but that's sort of damning by faint, faint praise type of issue. Um, I, I find it humorous how often Greg is stepping on Freddie, and and for those and if you don't know the parlance, 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 whatever, um, when one person is talking and then you start talking over them, that's what that's what's known as stepping on, um, in the you know broadcast slash announcing world, and uh, that was one of those things where you could almost. Uh, of the no- numerous drinking games you could have fun with in, in the whole Greg White repertoire of being a play-by-play guy, that would have been one of the one of the things you could go with. My other one, um, there were three. There was that one, how many times he steps on Freddy. Two was side-by-side. Side-by-side! Everything was side-by-side. Someone goes in a straight line by like they're standing still hey they're side by side or you know one's in front of the other one through a corner but they're side by side uh so that was another one there was there were there were as many side by there were probably side by side to me became the new uh change of direction you know freddie didn't get too many change of directions in there the past couple broadcasts but greg made up with a for with his side by side blasts 
And they were literally, blast is the appropriate word, because it wasn't side by side or side by side. It was, excuse me, I'm going to go back here from the mic here just so I don't blow everyone's ears out. So, okay, I'm, I'm way back here, and, and it was sort of like, side by side! And that was about, I don't know, eight times, even when there was nobody close. So, anyways. the And the other one was just the fact that, and this is one of those things that I learned way early in, in my announcing and something I was really guilty of the first couple of years I announced and people pointed it out enough that, uh, you know, I, I listened to it, I thought about it and they were right, is you can't be up on the rev limiter on lap two and expect to have the same effect on the, you know, on the white flag lap with that, you know, out of control, in a sense, screaming, which is what it was and, you know, becomes non-legible. I, look, I, I freely admit I was guilty of that for a number of years, and I still do it. However, it's all about timing and placement. You're trying to have an effect to create excitement, and that's good, but not every, you know, you, you got to build to a point, okay? If it happens on the first lap, like, oh, this is great. Ah, can you believe this opening laps? You know, usual madness. Mid-race, wow, this, is, this continues to be a great race. But you want to save that over-the-top, float-the-valves type of RPM uh, for the end of the race if it's really close. When you're, when you're on the rev limiter and floating the valves on, on lap two and you try to do that for 22 laps, sorry, it loses its effectiveness. And that's freaking announcing 101. And, you know, Greg White, I've been, in, I've been doing TV for 11 years. Uh, that's, that's pretty basic. So... Uh, you know, everyone knows what a fan of Greg White that I am, starting at mm, episode number one. But, you know, like I said, is it better than Ralph? Okay, but, you know, <laughs> I could show up drunk and stoned and do a better play-by-play job, but, you know. The uh, the other thing, <laughs> there's there's an, a, uh, there's there's an interview with Greg White in uh, Road Racer X online, so I think that's like right on, right above the Steve uh, Bonzi interview, or right right about there. You know, it, and it's whatever it it is what it is. You know, Greg glossing himself essentially for you know a thousand words. The well, let's just go up there and and pull it up real quick. There's there's a there's a section in here that's. John and I have a have a a section in, in the Live Fast Racing uh, podcast that we call Daryl Waltrip's Meds. You know Daryl Daryl's Med level of of how much he's glossing in uh, glossing NASCAR and and towing the company line. And and Greg oh, Greg was definitely on the the Daytona Meds or you know the Meds from Daytona. He had that grape Kool-Aid IV going here. And here's here's the uh, question, or here's the thing here. Okay, big question. What are your feelings about DMG's plans for this series? Greg White. I've only been in the paddock for 11 years. And the one thing I know is that not a whole lot has changed in that time. 
There are a few more haulers in here, and rider salaries have gone up. But in terms of race fan participation and getting people on the track involved with road racing, not a whole lot has changed. I like change. I embrace it. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. It can't hurt, and I think it's going to be very helpful. DMG's vision and the people they've worked with uh, and the people they've invested in DMG have all proven to be very competent and very successful people. I think they're going to put the same amount of effort into the series, and I think it's going to be fantastic. Truthfully, I think it's going to be fantastic for the private team owners in the long run. I think they're the ones who really make out in terms of financial benefit. I think a lot of people are looking right now as to how they can get a team going. Some of the riders may be some of the riders and maybe some other people. I wouldn't put it past some NASCAR team owners to consider starting a motorcycle race team to branch out into what they're doing now. Oh, okay, we'll get to that in a second. Do you have any sense do you have any sense of the fan do you have any sense of fans uh how the, well it, it's an incorrectly phrased question. Do you have any sense of how the fans are likely to react? I have no idea honestly. I think the people who are hardcore AMA superbike fans are going to continue to be because they have a passion for it. So I don't think we're going to lose any significant number of fans that we have now. <laughs> excuse me. Excuse me. Horseshit! <clears throat> I'm sorry. Uh, where was I? I think they're going to... I think they're going to uh, come with us, and I think the change was made to get new people involved in the support, which can only benefit us all in the long run. I don't think road racing is ever going to be as popular as NASCAR in the United States. It's not the same formula in terms of how spectators view the sport from the seat. I think that the sprint racing is a little bit different as well. In the United States, our most popular sports are NASCAR, football, baseball, and even basketball. You go... You go to a seat, you sit down for a few hours, and you watch the event unfold in front of you. You drink beer, you have a hot dog and nachos, and you go home. Road racing is different. Sprint racing uh, in the big classes is going to last an hour. No, no, how about 40 minutes tops? Uh, I just don't think that it's exactly the same formula, so I don't think it would capture... So I don't think we capture 20% of the NASCAR audience and bring them into motorcycle road racing. I think that would be a gigantic success. Anything over that would be just phenomenal. The sport definitely needs a couple of more zeros tacked on uh, to everybody's number here, whether it's the fans or team's budget or more haulers or whatever. Another zero or two isn't going to hurt anyone. Okay, if that isn't full bore Greg White on the meds sent sent uh, express uh fedex express from daytona florida i don't know what is let's let's break down some of this here i've only been in the paddock 11 years well greg you that means you've been in the paddock longer than two-thirds of the people in the paddock okay at least um and the one thing i know is that not a whole lot has changed in that time Yes and no. It's been kind of stagnant for the last decade, but it's, you know, it is, okay. I'll give him a slight. I'm sorry, I'm reading this off. I didn't print this off. I'm reading it off the monitor and sitting too close to the monitor. It's like your eyes are like, you know, they do that thing. When he says a change, change can't hurt, um, obviously he hasn't read the rules. And I think it's going to be very helpful. No. You know, have DMG's people been successful? Yes, but (laughs) doesn't mean much. 
Truthfully, it's going to be fantastic for the private team owners in the long run. Only if DMG starts bringing in a crap ton of sponsors who are willing to spend money. Otherwise, it's actually going to get worse, not better. And if you want to know why, it's real simple. Fuel and tires. Even a decent privateer gets a deal on tires. And this is the whole thing. I mean, everyone talks about spec tires and how great spec tires are. Yes, spec tires are good to a point. What you need to understand, though, is that we make the move to spec tires, and you're going to have a minimum, and I do stress the word minimum, twenty-five to $30,000 budget needed to pay for tires. And the reason I say that is this. Spec tires, no one's getting free tires, or at least they better not be getting free tires or even a discount on 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 tires. Um, the way it works supposedly in the Canadian system is that everyone pays a flat fee, and it's 350 bucks Canadian, I think, for a set of tires. Well, think about how many sets of tires you need to go through on a race weekend. Even if you're you know Johnny Privateer, you're going to need minimum of two, probably more like three sets of tires. So minimum $1,000 for tires paying sticker. Well, a lot of those guys um, can get a deal or, you know, cost racer price, so they're not, they're paying less than that. On top of that, there's contingency money uh, that can be gotten and, you know, even down into like six, seven spot sometimes, depending on, on the manufacturer. Uh, and, and different formulas. Sometimes they automatically exclude the factory guys from from that. It, you know, it's all in different contracts and stuff. Well, all that's taken away. So pretty much that's a, a flat fee. And even uh, even from a fuel standpoint, maybe it's not VP themselves, but they get a deal through their local distributor for either free or heavily discounted fuel. So all of a sudden, everyone's buying fuel. Okay, you know, you know if they're going to have some kind of spec Sunoco or VP, and it's like six seven bucks a gallon. That's okay, but still, there's a few other things in there that potentially have the cost, uh, potentially drive up the cost um, of the stuff, and especially if some of this uh, uh, spec stuff, the things that they're you know specking that you have to do this, if if they start getting crazy with some claiming stuff, that that'll drive costs up as well. So I don't see this as is necessarily controlling costs. So Greg's completely wrong there. Let's see. And, oh, and the whole thing about NASCAR team owners being uh, involved in this, the only way they're going to get involved in this is if if uh, the Francis cut them a check and say, okay, here, you need to uh, you need to do this to prop up our other series. Exactly the same way they do with uh, with the Grand Sham series. You know, the reason that uh, a lot of the, you know, that a number of the teams that run in NASCAR are also in Grand Sham prototype racing is essentially because they're getting pushed there by the France family. They're like, you need to run this. No, no, no. You need to run this. Um, you know, and, and whether it's an actual check out of their pockets or whether they've got uh, a few sponsors in their back pockets say, oh, by, by the way, you are going to spend, you know, $300,000 to support this series and this team and this car. It's just, it's sort of, in a sense, forced upon them. Um, which is yet another reason why it's called Grand Sham by the uh, Cognoscenti. Anyways, uh, yeah, if you if you want to see, it's it's not so much NASCAR that you have to see going forward uh, as far as AMA, although there's that very much that strong influence. 
Uh, just look at Grand Am Prototype Racing. It's that's essentially what you're gonna have for your Daytona Superbikes. So yay, joy. All right, we're gonna hold off on some other stuff I have on the whole DMG stuff for a few minutes. Uh, AMA Racing at Fontucky. Actually, I've got the the Superbike stuff. I've, I have yet to watch it to be honest with you. Although I know Race Two was supposed to have been really good between Matt and Ben. Uh, but I do have to say that Superstock, Supersport, and Formula Extreme, all really, really, really good races. And props to Jake, Jake Holden in Superstock for winning uh, that uh, first Honda to win in America. You know, first first win for Honda in Superstock, even going back into 750 days, which they really never had a 750 bike to race back then. Uh, but since it's gone to the 1,000 cc's, what is that now, four or five years now? Uh, they've never won in Superstock until now, Jake Holden, on the Corona Extra team. So uh, uh, big props to Jake, big props to the Corona Extra team. It's uh, well done, guys. Uh, and I, I'm sure there's a little bit of satisfaction in there in the fact that he beat Aaron Yates, uh, you know, because Jake pretty much got let go uh, by Suzuki and by Jordan so that they could hire Jeff May. How's that working out for you? You know the FX race between Jake and Josh. That was that was really good, and uh, Super Sport race. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on at the moment, but we'll pull up the results here because I actually have them handy, or semi handy. I just gotta go back here for a second. Wait for everything to load. Sorry for the delay. I didn't print anything out. I was trying to save a tree this week. Yeah, right. Uh, mostly just didn't get a chance to do it. So here we go. AMA Super Sport. So, uh, yeah, Ben Bostrom uh, with another win uh, over uh, Zemke, who you know, we need to spend some time, you know, give him some major props to Jake on that. Uh, Josh Heron third, Josh Hayes fourth. And let's see, Josh ran off track on that one, right? He had a moment, ran off track. Sorry, I'm watching stuff in a few days. Uh, Corey West, Danny Eslick, Blake Young, Chaz Davies, Steve Rapp, and Shay uh, Fochek. And uh, Bostrom, eight points ahead of Josh Heron in the championship. Zemke is, uh, what is that, 10, 14 points behind Josh Heron uh, at 85. Then Blake Young, Rapp, Davies, Eslick, Hayes. Uh, Josh got a long way to go to try and compete for the number one plate this year. Uh, Corey West, and then Aaron Gobert. Let's uh, roll back up here. That's Superbike Grids, right? Yeah, Superbike Grids. Uh, Superbike, wait a minute. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Super Sports, we saw the return of... of uh, Jason Pridmore, so it's cool to see JP back running around. And then we talked about, uh, oops, that's Formula Extreme. I'm sorry, Super Stock and Superbike was uh, Pridmore. Sorry, really disorganized today. So uh, Jake, and then uh, Aaron, Blake Young, uh, Pietri, Pridmore, Chris Paris, Chris Ulrich, Jensen, May, and David Anthony. He ate still on top, 106 uh, to Holden's uh, 88, and then Chris Ulrich, 80. Jeff May, 75, Scott Jensen, 66. 
Uh, Formula Extreme points. Let's see, Formula Extreme was uh, Jake over Josh. Pegram with a pretty strong third uh, third place run. Steve Rapp, Chas Davies on the attack. Kawasaki's, uh, Martin Cardenas, Aaron Gobert, Danny Eslick, Nikki Moore, and uh, Fernando Armonti. Points for Formula Extreme. Uh, Jacob by three over Chaz, then Steve Rapp, Larry Pegram, uh, tied at 85, Cardenas at 84, uh, Fernando uh, Amanti with 62, Josh Hayes 57. So looking a little rough there for Josh as well. And, oh, okay, so uh, do we have points for Superbike? Yes, we do. Okay. So day one, uh, Ben over Matt and then Tommy. And then day two, Ben over Matt and then Tommy. Oh, wow, really? Cool. And then uh, let's see. Neil Hodgson was fourth on both days. Eric Bostrom was fifth on Saturday. And uh, Mr. T was uh, fifth on Sunday. Miguel made a seventh on Saturday. And no Miguel. Okay, on Sunday. So anyways, your points, Maladin 178, Ben 158, Tommy Hayden 143, Mr. T 137, Neil Hodgson 130, Hacking 112, uh, Ebaz 106, Matt Lynn 95, Miguel 91, and Scott Jensen 89. So if you haven't, I'm sure most of you guys saw the pictures where uh, Jason DeSalvo decided he didn't want to be Giovanni Busai anymore. He wanted to be Mr. T. So he got this whole mohawk haircut type of thing. Uh, and then he even did an interview um, for, I think it was for the pole position press conference. Uh, he tried to do it in a Mr. T kind of you know voice and everything and inflections. To say that it was embarrassing would be, you know, sort of like saying the AMA announcing team needs to be replaced. If you uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, go on go on go on to uh, onthethrottle.tv. And those guys taped that. They do they're doing a lot of the stuff this year, a lot more stuff this year. Um, and the videos up there, if you look at it, um, I'm sure if you go to Fontucky and press conferences or press conferences Fontucky or something like that, it's in there. It's not real hard to find, but yeah, it was pretty damn embarrassing. And and I guess we should just leave it at that. It's I know he's trying to be funny, and I know he's trying to uh, put some color in there. Uh, let's just say that it was, uh, as, as all the uh, tech geeks are saying these days, epic fail. I mean, huge epic fail. I, I, you know, you, you could just hear by the reaction to it. There's a lot of groans and stuff going on in the in the audience there. It's, I guess you can try and resurrect your status, but... Not yet. Not yet. Uh, let's take a peek at World Superbike at Assen. You know, the historic circuit there, even though they've managed to screw it up, it still is a, one of the great circuits. And talk about, you know, fantastic racing all throughout, uh, all throughout the thing. It was, it was great. In fact, I woke up Sunday morning and, um, you know, after I get through some stuff, like the first non- uh, email, you know, for, uh, as, as a thing from like Pounce and a few other places was like, uh, was David Emmett of uh, 
Kropotkin thinks, and it's like, you know, big, bold letters, you must watch the super sport race from Assen. Epic. Or, you know, great, you know, top uh, top three, top five race ever. And, and I'm like, okay, I get to it. So we download, you know, wait for it to show up, downloaded it. And I actually watched the super sport race before I watched either super bike race. And let me tell you, it was worth it. If you didn't see it, uh, racing underground, right? Racing-underground.com. Sign up for it. It's not real hard to find uh, the super sport race. And it was phenomenal. That literally was a top five, four, top four, five, six motorcycle race ever. You know, eight, nine guys up there at the front. Maybe not all eight or nine guys challenging, but it was, it was tight. It was grouped. Um, you know, Pitt and Ray and, uh, uh, who else was up there? Uh, uh, Last course, uh, 4A, uh, Brock Parks a couple times. I mean, it was just, it was a phenomenal race. Just That's one of those ones where if people want to know why you like motorcycle racing uh, or what motorcycle racing is all about, all you got to do is show them that super sport race from Assen and they'll go, oh, I get it. That's That's pretty cool. You know, none of this run around in circles for five and a half hours just so we can have 19 crashes in the last 15 laps. Uh, we got to wait for the big one. Well, the big one was almost every lap. <laughs> it was great. And Johnny Ray uh, definitely finally getting up to speed on that 600. So he's, I'm sure all the Irish are cheering and uh, tipping a pint to him uh, at the pubs as they're watching that one. Andrew Pitt, obviously uh, solid as ever. So Pitt, Ray, and last course, that was your podium in Supersport with Foray, Parks, uh, Brooks, Barry Veneman, uh, Viziello, Craig Jones. Uh, those were the top nine, and I'd say the top nine were all within like two seconds. Uh, the top, you know, at the stripe, I think it was what, 014 or something like that at the stripe between Pitt and Ray. It was phenomenal. It was just really, really good. Um, Superbike race, uh, I'm sorry, the Superbike race number one was was pretty good. Um, Bayless ended up being up a little head, but... Uh, Cheka is is sort of being like um, Biaggi was last year in that he's getting crap for starts, spends the whole race catching up, and then ends up being really fast at the end and charging. And it's like if the guy could get a reasonable start, he could be up in that lead group and then and really challenge for a win um, on a consistent basis. Um, so Bayless took a double, kind of you know in some ways no surprise uh, in race. One, Cheka was second. Max Neukirchner was, was third. Kageyama, who was really strong in that race for, for a good chunk of it, was fourth. Corser, fifth. Jakob Smertz, fifth. Uh, Kianari, seventh. He had a pretty solid run. Uh, Tamata, eighth. Uh, Lavia, ninth. And Max Biaggi, who had kind of a less than weekend because his wrist apparently is still hurting him, was, was tenth. Uh, big coming together on what was that lap two between. Haga and my man Zaus. Uh, hard to tell whether Zaus leaned on Haga or whether Haga was going under the inside and drifted wide uh, and, and ran into uh, and ran into Zaus. There was no good angle, no good camera angle to kind of tell what happened with that. But that kind of put both of them out of the out of the race for the most part. And any point scoring position, I think Zaus ended up 16th in race one. Uh, race two though was uh, was really good. Uh, you know, Bayless would, uh, he got out front a couple times and then, um, he got passed and then instead of just attacking back, he kind of sat there for a while. He got back in the lead, 
Haga would make a charge, uh, get real close, be right there. The Bayless would push a little bit, and then Haga would push to catch up with him. So it was this nice, you know, maybe not like 18 lead changes type of thing, but you really could see strategy and, and each one pushing, trying to get a gap or trying to close a gap. And, um, you know, made for a really good race, a nice tight race. Uh, Ruben uh, looked really, really strong in race two. He ended up fading a little bit, and then Cheka got him right to, right in the chicane before the checkered flag, so just pushed him off the podium. So Cheka, like I said, another bad start, ends up charging through the field, and he's really making a lot of time in the last five, six laps. I mean, he's really just closing gaps huge. So you got to wonder if... Like I said, if this guy could get a decent start and then um, you know not have to push his tires so hard in the early parts, right? so he even has more left at the end, man, he could really be kicking some ass in uh, in World Superbike and really challenging Bayless. And maybe we'll see that come you know the the second part of the season, or maybe uh, who knows? I, don't, I can't tell you. I can't give you a good reason why he's not uh, doing more at this point. I mean, he's got enough experience. He's raced enough four strokes in his life, not only MotoGP but in Suzuka Eight Hour. You know, I don't, I'm not sure why he would be having that problem. And it's not like there's not electronic launch controls on the Hansbury bike this year too. So, uh, couldn't tell you. Don't don't have a good ex- a good explanation for that. Your points: uh, Bayless uh, out front by 70 points, 178 to 108. Uh, Corser 89, Nieto 85, Ruben 81. Haga 67, Neukirchner 66, uh, Biagi 54, Lavia 48, and Lorenzo Lanzi 42. Uh, interesting thing is that uh, Lavia's bike, the uh, Paul Bird Honda, is the highest top speed bike, like, I think two races in a row now. So that that's a matter of uh, uh, the motor is there, and I think they just uh, need to work on the chassis and then the, you know, semi-privateer Honda will be up there. And you got to say, the Hondas look really, really good in World Superbike. The Suzukis are just phenomenally fast in a straight line. And even though Bayless is 70 points out in the championship, it's not like Ducatis are completely dominating. Yes, they're up there, um, but they're not the fastest bike. They may be the most consistent bike, but they are not the fastest bike. They're not necessarily the most dominating bike. And take Troy Bayless out of the equation and then really look at Ducati, and I think you come up with um, some interesting conclusions. Like I said, it's it's a good, solid bike. It's really cool that you see privateers like Jakob Smirts doing well um, and uh, even uh, Fonzie Lanzi on occasion uh, showing reasonably well, and obviously uh, Ruben and Max, it's, I wouldn't call them privateers because that's pretty much a 1A factory type of, uh, of arrangement that they have there. I think the factory literally is building their bikes for them or at least you know giving them all the good parts that the factory has. So I can't call them quite. They're privateer kind of in name only. So, uh, But it was really, really enjoyable from to watch that race and uh, – I've gone back and watched that super sport race a couple times now. It just, oh, it was that good. So that's, uh, I think that pretty much touches on, uh, on race action there. Um, do I need to go back and just, sorry, I'm just going to scan something here. Uh, Moto ST, no, don't really need to talk about uh, that too much other than to give props to the Aprilia boys who won Moto ST. 
Oh, Doug Poland finished second. Okay, cool. Okay, well, anyway, so done with that. Uh, MotoGP at Shanghai for the last time this year. Very interested to see if some of these guys uh, do have any kind of political protests going on about the whole issue with Tibet. Uh, Rossi and Caparossi have both made noises about that. I'll be interested to see if it uh, if it happens, and then uh, more so if they do something. If there are you know problems with their papers on the way out of the country. Um, also interesting to find out if KTM uh, is getting pressured into running different colors. Uh, as you know, and I think I touched on this last time, uh, KTM's factory colors are obviously orange. And the Chinese government thinks that uh, since many of the Tibetan monks' robes are orange, that somehow the, there's a connection between the two. Uh, and they were literally trying to force uh, KTM to be running different colors, I mean, different team shirts, different everything. You know, on, on two weeks' notice, we want you to make all these changes. Can it be done? Well, yeah, but um, I... I kind of don't see it happening, and if it does, if it if it does happen, uh, I'll be hugely disappointed with the KTM people. Seriously, I mean, this is some of this garbage is is, is among the many reasons why they're not going back to China. Uh, I think even even the Hobbit even said there's no atmosphere at the race. There's an okay number of people, but compared to what that place holds and is, you know, the the uh, the palace that that place literally is, uh, it's just no not enough people, not enough atmosphere. Uh, it's expensive as hell to go there. Uh, there's always problems with uh, with getting equipment in and out. Um, there's been rumors that equipment has you know shown up late that shouldn't have you know was in the in the main shipping container. Um, that you know, a lot of industrial espionage and stuff going on. So for the most part, no one's really going to miss that. Um, no one's really a big fan of that track. So last uh, last year for Shanghai. In some ways, it's it's too bad. Um, that would have been a race I would have liked to go to just because China is a semi reasonable, affordable place to go uh, for you know and not you know for to go see a MotoGP race. And the fact that it's not packed like uh, say a Hereth or a, a Mugello or or uh, uh, the, the Catalonia race uh, north of uh, north of Barcelona and you know some of the other European rounds. Um, you might actually get a chance to see some things a little closer than norm- normally you would. So, uh, as far as the actual race goes, predictions. I got a couple thoughts here, and uh, you know, because of the super long straights here, you you kind of instinct- instinctively would go to Casey Stoner getting everything back right and winning. Um, but for some reason. I have a feeling that Valentino is going to win this race. I don't know why. I have no good reason other than to say I just think that this is a race where Valentino uh, kind of puts his foot down and goes for the win. Okay, my bad. I apologize. I should have turned off the damn phone while I was recording, but I'm waiting on like three calls from people um, for some work. And, you know, car stuff, unfortunately. You know, not motorcycle work, but uh, car work. But what do you do? Um, so anyways, uh, my thought being that I just think this is the week that Valentino puts his foot down and tries to reestablish himself as being the top of the heap. Uh, I think he's even tired of all this talk of, you know, he's done. Uh, he's past his prime. You know, it's the new kid's generation. And I think Valentino's had enough of that. He's 
Um, he's had time to get used to the Bridgestone. This is a good track for Bridgestone. Yamaha has the good motor. Uh, I just think it's it's all set up for him to to win this weekend. Um, you got to see Casey up there on the podium. And hmm, third, I'm gonna put uh, I'm gonna put Nikki up on the podium. Um, I, I was thinking Hopper, but I'm gonna go with Nikki uh, for my third podium spot. So that's uh, that's where you go with that. Uh, Jorge, I, you know, I don't think he's going to do poorly here, but I think he's just going to be in that next group. Uh, I, I see him and Danny kind of banging fairings all all race long. And, there, and then there's a the whole thing with Honda. You know, they're not running the the, the pneumatic valve. They are running the pneumatic valve. Um, and who was? I'm sorry. I'm going to go down a rat hole for a moment. Someone sent me an email, asked me to, if I could spend some time explaining pneumatic valves. I'm like, Ugh. I'm going to have to get an engineer on for that because I can give you the basics of how it works. Um, but to get a good, a good explanation that I, that makes sense, um, I'll I'll see what if I can I can pull that off for you guys. Get really a good explanation of of the whole pneumatic valve. But there's a, in, in a sense, it's a piston. Um, that the valve sits on much like a spring and then it's just, it's pressurized to go up and down the resistance and it allows it to open faster and uh, open and close faster essentially. And then there's a, there's an air tank that, you know, pressurizes everything, but uh, there's some loss and leakage and stuff. So it just, I'll, I'll get someone who can explain it better on the show with hopefully in the next couple of weeks. So there you go. Um, so that takes care of uh, a racing, I think, Shanghai should be pretty good. I think this is going to be a good race weekend. And, you know, it's all 12, 13 hours off of everyone. So, you know, from from what we would consider normal times just because of where it is in the world. So it could be – I won't be watching it live. Sorry, I'm not, I didn't pay for the MotoGP feed this year because, um, A, the dollar to the euro, uh, and, B, MotoGP is charging me VAT tax on it too, which – I guess they can get away with, but I didn't want to pay the extra 18% VIG on top of uh, the currently 54, 56, 54% premium uh, that the euro uh, is over the dollar. So by the time it's all done, you know, the $99 euro package or $110 or 100 euro, 110 euro package ends up being like, 200 bucks US like no sorry not happening not happening um so we'll just you know I'll get it close enough to uh, to being live and get the Eurosport feed so there you are um all right I talked about DeSalvo as Mr. T so the last thing I, I want to touch on is, is one last little bit with this whole DMG thing and there's like I said I need to go back and uh, print out a number of things and highlight and, and really get my head around some other things going on here between uh, uh, there were some interviews with uh, Colin Frazier and Bill Siphon on um, I think it was on Dean's World a um, few other things going on just kind of scratching my head but the one thing um, would be both good and bad going forward is that I would say there is a very, very real possibility of a breakaway series happening here. Um, just uh, at the Fontucky weekend, some noise is made about changing the leader bike uh, class rules to be essentially super stock. 
or I'm sorry, more restrictive. This was uh, uh, something that uh, Keith McCarthy had said in talking to uh, Cycle News. And that's up on their website. So you can go uh, go look at that. Um, but I think there's enough noise between Honda and Yamaha, and Kawasaki, and certainly Suzuki, where none of them are really going to be happy with the the rule, you know, completely across the board rules. And since the DMG, at the end of the day, doesn't really want them involved anyways, um, and since they have the money and the rider contracts, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe not for 09, but 2010, or maybe somewhere in the middle there, very, very real possibility for a breakaway series. And then, you know, there's a whole, well, IRL, you know, champ car. I'm sorry. AMA isn't... uh, isn't that big where there's even like a real division. It's literally where the manufacturers decide to go. That's where the series will be. Why? Because they control the contracts of not only the main riders, but they also control a lot of the secondary riders. And secondary riders, I'm talking um, uh, people like Steve Rapp and, and Chas Davies with you know Attack Kawasaki. Guess what? Most, if not all of their money comes from Kawasaki, not necessarily from Attack. Um, a lot of your Suzuki support, you know, secondary Suzuki teams of, of whether it's M4 MGO, uh, Matsushima, uh, who else? You know, again, maybe not fully funded, excuse me, by uh, Suzuki, but all the bonus money is coming. I would imagine all the bonus money is coming from Suzuki. Yamaha, trust me, uh, Heron and Ben Bostrom for you know, for Graves. Their checks are coming from Yamaha directly. Chuck Graves isn't scratching any kind of check for those guys. Um, Honda, I can't tell you what the arrangement with the Corona team is. I'm assuming they're getting some a decent amount of support from Honda. Uh, they wouldn't have switched from Suzuki to Honda if they weren't. So what I'm saying is that the factory teams and where they spend their money and where they choose to go are going to take a lot of these people with them as well at the same time. So understand where the factory team decide to go is where the quote-unquote the series will go. And if the DMG says, well, we didn't want you anyways, great. Well, guess what you have? You have, you have something probably not even as good as Weira. That, that's essentially what you have. So like I said, next, uh, next show I'm going to spend more time talking about this. I'm going to go back and, and really hammer through some of this stuff, as I said, and, and dig through it and come up with something and and I'm not going to do a whole show of, you know, 60 minute, another 45 minute rant on this stuff. But, um, I really, the real issue is that I was hugely disappointed. I was hoping that because of the people involved, that this thing would really be right. And it's exactly the opposite. And so I guess that's, it's not that I want to see these guys fail. I don't because at the end of the day, I want to see motorcycles succeed. It's just, that I think they're going in such a wrong direction um, that we need to point out the flaws and why, at least uh, articulate why I think this is completely the wrong direction. And if I'm wrong, then hey, I'm a big enough person to admit the fact that I'm wrong. I just, I don't see it. I just, I just don't see it. So with that, uh, we are going to cut it. Well, I wouldn't say short because we're going uh, a little over an hour here, but, um, after a two hour and twenty four two hour and twenty four minute marathon the last time you know something uh you know under seventy minutes is was probably welcome for you guys 
So uh, feedback always welcome, rumblestripradio at gmail.com, the website, uh, rumblestripradio.com. Again, all show notes can be found there and links, um, especially the link for the uh, MS Bike Ride. Once again, if you can uh, donate, even if it's like 10 bucks, seriously, if you can donate 10 bucks to that to either uh, Jay or Kristen Cardinal uh, for the MS Bike Ride, I would be uh, it would be much, much appreciated. And uh, come on, everyone's getting their checks back from the government, right? I know you guys all got plans for that, anyways. Um, but seriously, no, much much appreciated if you could if you could do that for me. Uh, if you want to track what I'm doing through the week or in between shows, you can find me either on Pounce or Twitter. So pounce.com forward slash rumblestrip or twitter.com forward slash rumblestrip. You can follow me over there. Uh, friend me up on either of those two places. Sometimes I post stuff about what's going on. Uh, podcast. Uh, you know, it's not a real motorcycle-centric group over there. There's a few people on Pound, so that's kind of cool. Um, but you know, now you know if I'm when I'm recording stuff or, or things going on, um, keep tracking me there, or just you know, friend me up, and we can talk about things other than motorcycle racing. So, um, next couple of weeks, uh, pretty busy for me. So, but I will be putting out shows. Uh, I'm recording this on Thursday, so tomorrow is the first. Uh, Heads up race at Milan. Hopefully, if you're those of you who are in the Detroit area, Detroit area, I know I've got four of you guys around here at least. Um, if you get this, come on down to Milan. It's the first heads up race I'll be announcing there. I'll be doing that all year for you know for all the heads up races. Probably a few other events. Um, then the next two weeks, I'm on the road for Power TV on the weekends. Um, Memphis for the pump gas drags. And then the week after that, going down to St. Louis for World Streetcar Challenge. Uh, both doing both of those for Power TV. On top of that, it's the NBA playoffs, so that kind of throws some things in there too. I'm not sure what the schedule is for that. All depends on national TV and what they're covering, kind of for the Pistons. So, going to be busy, going to be fun. A lot of stuff going on. We're starting to get really into the meat of the racing season. Uh, outro music this week. I have no clue. I haven't selected anything at this point. So you're going to get what you're going to get. Try and put something good up in there for you. Um, the Rumble Strip Radio is a production of Raul Duke Media LLC and is protected under a Creative Commons license. Some rights are reserved. So until I talk to you again next week, have fun, be good, most importantly, keep it on two wheels. We'll talk with you soon. Bye-bye.